1: Learn more at
2: marines.com.
1: Yeah, the Hangtime Podcast coming at you again this week. Sekou Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, Lang Whitaker Yo. in New York. Lang Whitaker, as Marcus Johnson refers to him. derisively, <laughs> And uh, one of our oldest and closest friends at the program, I mean, man, Michael Lee from The Vertical, somewhere in transit, but taking some time out to join us to talk about the craziest division in basketball. Mike Lee, what's happening, sir? You know, just uh, chilling. Chilling. <laughs> chilling. Uh, and, and what, you trying to escape D.C. right now? I know a lot of people are trying to get out of town for reasons other than basketball. You, you trying to get out of the, the nation's capital for a minute?
3: Oh, no, 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 no. The nation's capital is where, where you need to be right now. I'm going to see uh, the best team in uh in an Eastern Conference
1: right now. Hey, Washington Wizards, baby, making basketball great again in the this... <laughs> well, I mean, what do you make of the turnaround, Mike? I mean, this is this has been startling since since December. They've been rolling. Yeah, they have. Well, a couple things had to come
3: together. One, John Wall had to be healthy. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize because it kind of was under the radar, but he had two knee surgeries last May, and he had to get healthy. He had to, you know, he was limited in training camp. And he just wasn't himself, you know, the first month of the season and you saw the way the team was struggling. Um, also you had to get Brad Bill healthy. Um, and then finally you had to get Scott Brooks to figure out his personnel. You know, this is his first year on the job and he's trying to figure out who does what and who can do what and uh, and eventually he he realized the deficiency of his second unit and realized he had to you know, do some do some adjustments to his rotations, you know, focus on Marcus Morris Marquise Morris a little more mm-hmm. uh with the second unit. And then from there they've discovered a, a scheme, a system, and they just have so much confidence in each other and I, I think that, you know, it was kinda mocked before it happened, but uh, you know, last week when they wore all black against their game against the Boston Celtics, you know, it was sort of one of those moments where, you know, if you if you do it and you win and you've really shown the rest of the league that you're serious. But if you do it and you lose, you can embarrass yourself. And they stuck the neck out for a regular season game in January and then pounded the Celtics. And I think that was a moment where they kind of turned the corner where you kind of look at it as that this isn't just some team that's just on a hot streak. It's a team that's feeling itself right now and feeling pretty good.
2: I wonder if, I wonder if like, the MVP of this team is, is the trainer, <laughs> you know, just getting getting everybody healthy. I mean, Beal's had all these injuries throughout his career. Wall has been sturdier, but, I mean, he's, like you said, he had two knee surgeries. I mean, he had the, the hand injury against the Hawks in the playoffs two years ago. I, I wonder if, if just part of this whole thing is just now that they're healthy, how do they keep this together and keep everyone healthy heading into the postseason?
3: Well, yeah, I think a lot of that starts with Bradley Beal. I mean, I think he really spent his entire offseason dedicated to being healthy, you know, um, he got rewarded with a five year max contract over the summer. A lot of people were questioning if he even deserved it because, um, of the fact he hadn't even played a full season. I think he took a lot of that to heart and he decided to just spend this off season, you know, working on his body. He declined the invitation to play for team USA and one of the main reasons why is he felt that, you know, the Wizards have put a huge investment in him and he wanted to make sure he paid them back by giving them as many games as possible. Now of course it's Full goal was to play 82 games this year, but that was interrupted in November right when he got hurt. But right. now that he's been back, he's really helped, you know, to spearhead this thing because, you know, John's been out there on his own for a while. He's a three-time All-Star doing great things, and he's been waiting for a sidekick to kind of emerge or at least have somebody else on his level to emerge as a reliable um, option um, and really – You know, being reliable is more than just getting 20 points when you're playing. It's actually being on the floor. And I think that now that Brad is consistently on the floor, he's feeling good about himself right now. He's putting up, you know, really ridiculous numbers. Um, And I think that that's the real key, you know, having Brad out there and having him healthy because everybody else, I think you can probably mix and match you know, guys, if they're in and out of the lineup. But I think when it comes to having Brad out there with John, that's what really makes the Witches a special team.
1: Mike, you look at the transition that, that these guys have had to make, and I talked to John about this last week when he was in the studios here in Atlanta on TNT and uh, making the rounds. Did anybody see this coming from a leadership standpoint from John in terms of just how much he's changed over the past few years, what kind of strides he's made? in terms of, of being, the, the you know, the center of that locker room and, and leading by example and with the way he's adjusted, you know, talking to guys, dealing with guys?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, best. it's been a gradual adjustment for him. It's been something that he's had to develop over time. And I think, you know, um, when he was very young, he didn't know what to say or how to say anything to guys because he was still trying to figure out himself. But I think the addition of Trevor Ariza, you know, having him there, he really did a lot to help John kind of come into his own as a leader. And then when Paul Pierce arrived, he really came along to give him that confidence that, you know, what he had to say people were going to listen to. And I think that last year was kind of an embarrassing season for him because, you know, they had just come off having back-to-back second-round appearances, and a lot was put on him because there was no Paul, there was no Trevor. And I think the the failures of that team, the fact that he wasn't consistent defensively, the fact that, you know, he wasn't really, you know, doing what he needed to do as a leader, I think the team collapsed, and I think he took that personally. And I know in his first meeting with Scott Brooks, you know, he was in the hospital and, uh, he, you know, had, had just recovered from his surgeries. And Scott Brooks had a, you know, real uh, good conversation with him where he basically told him that as good as he is, he still hadn't played up to his potential. And I think he put that leadership, you know, in his hands and basically said, you know, we're going to go as far as you take us. And I think John really, that really meant a lot to him. And I think he entered the season with another chip on his shoulder because he has so many, (laughs) you know, he has a ton of them (laughs) on there right now. Um, But I think that he he took that to heart. And I think that that's, that's what's happened. You know, Scott Brooks really put it on him to be a leader because they don't have, you know, that many veterans around. But, you know, this is... What, seventh year? Um, I think that, you know, this time, you know, he can't, he can't look to Paul. He can't look to Trevor. He can't look to anybody else. He's, he's got some, you know, equity in this game and whatever he says, people are going respond to it. And I think that's what you're seeing right now to him. This is a guy who's taking control of his career and basically saying, you know, y'all haven't seen the best of me yet and I'm going to show you.
2: What about the other guys on this roster? I mean, we've talked a lot about Beal and Wall here, and, and um, you know, Otto Porter sort of had a breakout season. Um, yeah. Uh, some of these other guys, uh, Trey Markeith Burks played Morris. pretty well. Marquise Morris. Like, where where else does this team, you know, heading into the postseason, like, who else needs to kind of step up and, and take on a bigger role for this team to be successful in the, in the playoffs? Well,
3: they're going to need some help from their second unit. I mean, there's so much right now. Uh, so much weight on the starting five, which is one of the best starting fives, and even when they started out struggling, you could look at the numbers and see that their starting five was one of the best five man groups um in the league you know like it, it was just whenever somebody sat down, they were going to be in trouble um so I think they need somebody from the second unit to step up, you know Jason Smith is at his moments um you know coming off the bench he's starting to you know find a role and get comfortable. I think they're really waiting on Jan Mahimi. They're hoping that he gets healthy at some point. I mean, he was a big free agent acquisition. And so far, all he's really been able to give them is one game, and that's just not enough. I think right now they're putting a lot of pressure on their starting five. You know, and they got, like you mentioned, Otto Porter. He's, you know, one of the leaders in three-point shooting this year. He's uh, always been a real solid defensive player. And then Marquise Morris, I mean, he quietly had an incredible January and I think that people forget just how much of a focal point he was in Phoenix. And yeah. I remember when they made that move for him, it looked like there was a team that could really do something special at that moment. And now he's finally getting comfortable in his role. But um, they're going to probably have to make a move to improve their second unit because their starting five is is really lethal when they're when they're playing it all clicking together on all cylinders.
2: So you think they'll be? Like, you think they might be a buyer at the trade deadline?
3: I would think so um, because. You know, again, the, with all the pressure they put on their starting five, if one of those guys goes down, it's, it's going to be difficult. You know, uh, Trey Burke is, you know, kind of settled into his role. You know, he's been a little inconsistent, mm-hmm. but I think that um, they, they should probably try to add another shooter because. Marcus Thornton, you know, who was brought in to kind of be a shooter, is no longer in the rotation. They're getting some development from uh, their rookie, uh, Thomas Adoransky, and he's playing well. But I think for them to really be a team that you can take seriously, they're going to need some, some production from the second unit. Yeah.
1: Mike, the, the other teams in that wild and crazy Southeast Division, you know, the Hawks were 11 and 4 in January, rebounded from some craziness. You know, at one point we thought they were going to trade off the whole roster. They kind of reel it back in <laughs> and. And get back into a you know somewhat of a decent groove, the miami heat Dion waiters mm. going crazy uh um, downhill Dion you know what I'm saying I mean does, Kobe Wade.
2: <laughs> does
1: it does it strike you as odd that some of these teams have taken the twists and turns they have, or does seeing what the wizards have on you know seeing the process they've undergone kind of remind you that Everybody season is a is a living, breathing organism. Like it, it can change at any moment and can take shape in any way at any given time.
3: Yeah, because I remember just in November, I thought that the Wizards were going to be really one of the worst teams. They started out <laughs> two and eight, and they were just awful. Like the Verizon uh, Center was a dead place to be, and there was no energy. But it's just like everybody's just kind of taking their turns, you know, being awful, and then they take their turns being really good. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you talk about it now with the Hawks. It's, it's amazing. Like, after they traded Kyle Korver, I think the assumption was that, you know, they're selling off everything and that they're, they're going to start decide if they're going to rebuild. and just. Um, but then you realize now that that move is, has actually helped improve them in a lot of ways they're much better defensively. And uh, they seem to have really found a groove, um, found an identity. And, and Schroeder's playing really well. White's been consistent. And, obviously, Jackie overlooked Paul Millsap, a guy – who has spent so much time on the trade block, and then it's like once they decided that they weren't going to move him, you can just see he's playing, you know, at, at that Millsap level that you're expecting even higher. um, You know, Tarcy's in the contract push and, and, and things like that, but I don't care. He's playing at a really high level right now, and I, I like what I'm seeing out of him, especially in that four-overtime game when the guy plays 60 minutes and gives it all he has out there, and it still has the energy to to come through in the clutch not to death a special performer. The Miami Heat, I was surprised that they were as bad as they were <laughs> when the season because I thought they had some talent. I mean, you know, they had all this money invested in the sidewise side, you know, Corinth Drogic, people forget, you know, or maybe they just ignore, but you know, this is a third team all NBA player not too long ago and they gave up two first round picks to get him. So the fact that he wasn't really playing that well, especially after he had had so much trouble um, adjusting to with Dwayne Wade. It, like, it was an odd fit with Dwayne being gone. You figure he was going to play well. It just took a little time for him to finally figure it out with um, Deion Waiters. And, you know, he's just been a guy who you know has been just waiting for this moment, waiting for an opportunity to be a focal point. You know, he was in Cleveland all that time, and just figured he and Kyrie were going to be the backcourt of the future. Then he made him a six man, and he didn't really enjoy that role. And then he was Oklahoma City has to come off the bench, and now you know Eric Spoelstra, this is an elite coach. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you give him some players, he can he can put out a pretty good product. I think it just took a little time because they really hadn't had a hierarchy established. But as the game as the seasons progress, they starting to figure out just who's who.
2: I saw that they want to they Dragic and Dion want to be called the the 711 backcourt because they're <laughs> always open. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> I did, too. So, I mean, let's... But, we Charlie, talked but about, Charlie,
3: of course, they had a the team that's sliding right now, which is...
2: Yeah, that's what kind of I was going to bring the up, team. the Hornets. Yeah. The Hornets looked like they were going to be the middle-of-the-pack team in the, in the Eastern Conference playoff hunt, and now they're, they seem like they kind of can't get out of their own way right now. Yeah, they're a team that I was
3: surprised they got out to such a great start, considering how they lost. You know, um... You know, uh, Jeremy Lynn was a huge part of their success last year, and Al, you know, Al Jefferson, obviously, was a big part of what they had done uh, for a long time, too. Uh, so the fact that they lost those two big pieces, and yeah, they just haven't really gotten enough from the player that they've brought in to, or expected to kind of fill those roles. You know, Frank Kaminsky hasn't really been as consistent as they, as they would like, and it's really been tough to see, you know, Michael K. Gilchrist. You know, every year you keep hoping and waiting that he's going to take that leap, he's going to, you know, make that jump and start be, becoming the player that, you know, you hoped he'd be when he went number two. It looks like that process isn't really coming together, and it's put a lot on Kimball Walker, who's been phenomenal this year, um, but I think they, they need somebody else to step up and give him some support. Right now they're struggling to find that player.
1: Mike, what do you think is the biggest, you know, challenge for these teams in the East, you know, in, in the Southeast Division as well as just the Eastern Conference in terms of taking advantage of what looks like and this could be a mirage, uh, Lang, I, you know, I, this could be a situational thing. But what's the biggest challenge for these teams trying to take advantage of of a vulnerable Cleveland team right now at the deadline? Do you go out and make a move that you think puts you in a position to, to really go after the Cavaliers or do you do something maybe that's got more long-term effect?
3: Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, I think a lot of teams are grappling with right now. And I think Atlanta sort of had to, you know, kind of reach that point, too. It's like, um, do you just sit around and wait for the eventual um, decline on LeBron James? Or do you just concede? Um, and then if you decide to concede, why would you invest so much in your future to try to make one run uh, to try to knock him off? And I think... You know, even as vulnerable as the Cavs may appear through having their first losing January or LeBron's first losing losing month in uh, over a decade, I don't think anybody necessarily feels that they have what it takes to necessarily beat them. I don't think anybody looks at the Celtics right now and if they play seven games against LeBron, I don't think anybody thinks they're going to win. Same for Toronto. You know, so there's just so many teams up at the top that need to make a move, but then you have to ask yourself, do I really want to hurt the future of my organization, um, to make a run that's gonna wind up being futile. Um, so it's a tough spot for GMs to kinda of have to decide, you know, it'd be great if somebody just said, you know what, I'm going for it, let's do it and uh, you know, maybe plucks a Carmelo or does something, you know, drastic or maybe, you know, gets a gets a boogie cousin or somebody, you know, to come to the East or I think that if somebody's willing to make that bold move, they they could be rewarded for it. But I think right now it's just so many teams are scared because you look at LeBron, he's 32, he's still jumping out of the gym, he's still the right. best player in the game, and you don't know how long he's going to be that way. But, you know, do you expect him to be this way till he's 35, till he's 36? If that's the case, do you, you know, what, what do you do? Do you, do you give in or do you just let him have it?
2: So let's talk, like, other than Cleveland, and we've heard a lot of these teams, you know, being mentioned in, in trade talks from you know, Boston to Chicago to, like you just said, Washington might be active. Toronto's been thrown around a lot. Wh- which team, other than Cleveland, that in, in the Eastern Conference do you think is most likely to do something significant at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline?
3: Well, I think the team is best positioned to do something and, and has been for the last three years is Boston, you know. Just sure. a team that you just feel like if they can just add one more piece, you know Isaiah Thomas is playing out of his mind right now. You know Al Horford's always been a solid guy, but you just you know that they, if they can add that one piece um, to just put them over the hump, they just have, they have so many assets, they have so many young players, they have so many draft picks, and it feels like you know when is Danny going to do it? When is he going to pull the trigger? Because of the teams that are you know there. They're the, one, they're the one squad that has the combination of assets and picks to make a move that could really, you know, alter the entire conference. Um, and you just wonder if they're going to do it. I don't know if anybody else does because if you're Toronto, you know, you, you're you going to wind up maxing out. You're already, you're already paying DeMar to max. You're going to give the same kind of money to, to um, you know, Kyle Lowry. And if you, say, say you try to make a trade for a or set somebody, you mm-hmm. know, do you pay him again long-term, you know, and does he really elevate you over the Cavs? And that's really kind of what you have to do to evaluate yourself. It's like, is this move going to push us over the Cavs? And um, I don't know if there are that many teams that are positioned to make a move that could push them over the Cavs other than Boston. Because, like I said, with having those Brooklyn picks and having, you know, just so much that they could offer up, um, they're the one team, in my mind, that could that could do something to shake things up.
1: You think So you think – with all the Carmelo chatter, Mike, and around the league, the Clippers, you know, reportedly being interested, Cleveland obviously being interested in that, whatever LeBron asked for. Do we, do we get a, a trade deadline that with some sizzle, or is this going to be one of those years where we hear all this stuff, you know, and all this rumors flying around, and then we get there and nobody really is is ready to do it. Nobody. Danny Ainge can't find a dance partner, you know. Yeah, He's been looking for yeah, one for know, three years. I,
3: I, I fear it's going to be a letdown. And, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why I fear it's going to be a letdown is because if you look at what's happening the, in the Western Conference, you know, the fact that about five teams are battling for their eighth spot, you don't usually have that happen. Right. You don't usually have this many teams that have the hope that they can actually, you know, be there. And the fact that you have that many teams in contention for a spot means that why would you sacrifice? Um, a valuable asset um, because you're going to need all your pieces to make to make a, your own playoff run. So usually this is the time where you just start raiding the bottom of the opposing conference or the bottom of your conference. But there aren't too many bottom feeders right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, in the, you look at Philadelphia. That's a team that you know they feel like they can make a playoff push. You know, there's there's so many teams out there, and, and then the West. I think is really the one team that's that's making this season not as interesting when it comes to trades because there are just so many teams that have a shot from Denver, Sacramento, Minnesota, you know, uh, New Orleans, you know, teams that we were ready to bury not too long ago. You look at the standings and you're like, oh gosh, they're right there. You know, you know, eventually you think Portland's going to settle in and and, and, and claim that A spot, but they haven't done it yet. And I think that that's kind of got everybody just holding back and just waiting to see what if somebody falters but nobody's giving up right now. It's a lot of parity in the league.
1: Yeah, they're digging in right now so they can, all of them trying to get that A spot so they can get smoked by the Warriors. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, if, even, if you, even if you're really good, you're going to get smoked by the Warriors. <laughs> looks like that now. I mean, I feel bad for those teams. Like, you know, it's one thing to make the playoffs and I think there's some legitimacy to, you know, a young team needing to get over that hurdle and make the playoffs just to know what winning tastes like, you know, and just to to get that experience to make, it. but man, what a what an unbelievable booby prize you get for making it when you got to go up against a team that's potentially—I mean—they could annihilate you in the in the first round so quickly. The only yeah. thing that would keep yeah. you around is the schedule, you know. Otherwise, you'd be done. Yeah, but look what they've done to the the Clippers. That's the four seed, <laughs> yeah, you they know. Every time you know, even if you're
3: like a team that, that's uh, you know considered a, a contender, they, they just you know, beating the stuffing out of everybody right now. So it's sort of, it's sort of taking a lot of the drama out of the season is that you just look at this Golden State team and you thought it would take a little time for it to come together, you know, bringing in such a huge piece like uh, Kevin Durant, but he's fit in seamlessly, you know, it's you know, he's, He's been great, and now Steph looks like he's turned into MVP form, you know, right around, you know, for the All-Star break, and that's just scary, man. So, yeah. you know, if if you're a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in a long time, getting your head bashed in by the Warriors is not a bad gift. <laughs> you know, it's like at least, at least you can say you made it there your team got a chance, but, uh, you know, Uh, but I'm more worried if I was a team like the Clippers. I think that their team, if they can do whatever they can to get a guy like Melo, they need to do something to shake things up because what they've been going going with for the last couple years clearly hasn't been enough. the reason why they haven't made it to the conference finals ever, even though they have all these talent, even though they have all these all-stars. You know, they need to do something. Uh, Doc Doc has to make a move, a bold move, um, you know, to – Really get his team over the hump because we know they're not good enough to beat the Warriors as they're constructed. But who are they good enough to beat? Period. I mean, do you think they could beat the Spurs right now? Do they could beat the Rockets right now? I mean, that's just what what I'm looking at. If if I'm Doc and I have an owner right now who's you know worth however many bazillion dollars and you know he's not he's not scared to spend money, then I'd do whatever I could to try to get a mellow on the roster. Um, you know, without obviously sacrificing one of your three main pieces, if that's possible. Even if you have Say to trade your own son, for
2: Even if you have to trade your own son, you have to trade your flesh and blood.
3: Man, in a heartbeat. <laughs> if, so, if, 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 if I'm gonna get a guy that can drop
1: twenty a night, heck yeah! Bye, bye, son. I, I'll see you in the summertime. Bye, Austin. See you. <laughs> Tell mom I said yeah, hello, because you know? she won't be speaking to Doc for the next two years. See you later. Now, listen, I, I don't think Mike, I don't think there's any doubt on the list of the most desperate teams to to shake up their mix. The Clippers have the Clippers and Knicks have to be one two for for obvious but very different reasons. You know, the Clippers' time is now or never. You know, in terms of competing, Absolutely. you know. with
3: Chris and Blake and free agents yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: The the, that window's closing. But the Knicks for a much different reason. The the time is now or never for you to blow this thing up. And get Carmelo out of town, and rid yourselves of the overlying drama, uh, you know, of the Carmelo and Phil friction. Like, I'm I'm yeah. baffled that this has gone on as long as it has without Phil Jackson stepping to a microphone and saying something. Lang, you're in New York. I mean, does anybody care <laughs> if Phil steps up and says anything, or they're just gonna they're gonna let this
2: go on like this? Uh, what do you want them to say?
1: <laughs> it's my fault. To- You know, uh, I got to do something to fix this. It's not on Melo. It's not on Jeff Hornacek. I mean, they've been hanging, they hang the coach and players out to dry up there.
2: I, you know, I up here and and, I mean, you guys, Mike's up here a lot too. He sees it. Um, I I give Melo a lot of credit because he faces the media twice a day, every day and and answers the questions and says, you know, I don't really know what to say. And I mean, I, I don't think Phil can really talk about it while it's in play. Or, or while he's talking to these other teams, allegedly. So it, it's. It, the, I was just thinking though, like you know, this is twice now that well, once Carmelo got traded to the Knicks, and now this is in play. And both times they were just sagas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, the, that yeah. time in Denver it lasted for months, yeah. um, and now it's it's going on a month now of talks. So it's just like it, it came, nothing's easy with him. One other yeah. thing I wanted to ask Mike about. You know, we we've talked a little bit about Cleveland. They they seem to want to shake things up a little too. They had their Playmaker tryouts yesterday. It's it's got to be Lance Stevenson, right? It just Troll has City,
1: to be. Troll City, baby. Yeah, I think.
3: I mean, Lance, Lance maybe just he needs somebody to blow in his ear. You know, that's <laughs> that's what everybody needs. You know, just somebody to calm him down. You know, he's he's going off on Chuck. He's going off on management. He's going off on everybody. Not not you know trying to get him that championship. He just needs somebody to calm him down. And you know, Lance has got ability to put him in that place, you know, that relaxing place. that that cool breeze that's coming <laughs> in his ear. But uh <laughs> but now, nah, I honestly I think that Mario Chalmers, if he's healthy, he he'd be the perfect fit for them just considering the fact that he's played with LeBron. He he's breathing that defensive intensity, he's a playmaker and he takes so much pressure off of LeBron in terms of uh, you know, facilitating for others. I think that LeBron can do it. He's such an excellent passer, but you know, over the last couple of games has been wearing on him and he's getting so many turnovers that his his turnover rate is not where he wants it to be so I I would lean more toward Mario Chalmers if he's healthy uh, just because he just brings so much to that team that they're missing.
1: I think he's also been cursed out enough by LeBron (laughs) in the past that he would come in and it wouldn't be a shock to his system.
2: If they need someone from LeBron, him, you know, exactly.
1: to yell at, yeah. he, he,
3: he'd be able to tell Kevin Love and Kyrie when LeBron's <laughs> yelling at him like, "This is how you ignore him."
1: <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just let him let him vent. Don't worry; he'll be, he'll yeah, be just fine. Just let him get
3: it out. This
1: is what he does, man. <laughs> I trust me. Uh no doubt. Mike Lee from the Vertical. Listen, we we appreciate you taking some time, Mike. We we'll, uh we got to get the the three musketeers back together again in New Orleans, man. Every time Absolutely. every time we get it get it together, we end up coming up with some pretty creative stuff uh during All-Star weekend. You know, Lang I was telling somebody the other day, Lang, how many years that we have all been getting together at to All-Star and finding the right spots and hitting up some of the best uh you know, secret spots to get some sneaks and gear and that sort of stuff. So it's been over a decade when you think about our uh, exploits at All-Star, man. we got to get back out there and, and uh, see if we can't find a lab to get, to get back in there and do some designing.
3: Yeah, man, I just figured out this is going to be year 15 for me covering the NBA. Wow. When it, once I hit March, yeah, it's getting old, man.
1: Man, we all getting old. we all getting up there, man. we all we all heading to Charles Barkley land. Le- LeBron will be complaining about all of us at some point. <laughs> we appreciate you though, Mike. We'll, and we'll talk to you. We we'll see you down the road, man. All right,
3: anytime, fellas. All right, Thanks, Mike, Mike Lee
1: from the Vertical joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. I still got my shoes from Houston. Have not put the toes in them, by the way. Some, you know, gotta love, gotta love those <laughs> Nike IDs, man. It's that time of week on the Hang Time Podcast where we get enlightened by our main man, John Schumann, with the Schumann stat. <laughs> Shoot, what's happening?
0: What's going on? Nothing. Everything all right over there?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, outside of Lang's alternative Super Bowl facts, uh, you know, for his Falcons this weekend, everything's good.
0: All right, so I got a a trivia question for you. All right. I think previously we talked about Kevin Durant's shooting efficiency. Mm -hmm. Durant leads the league among non-centers in true shooting percentage. True shooting percentage is sort of measures efficiency, takes – Basically, how efficiently you score takes into account getting to the line and, and shooting from the field as well. Mm-hmm. So Durant leads all non-centers in true shooting percentage at 65.5%. Who ranks second among non-centers oh. in true shooting percentage at 64.5%? This is a sort of a minimum of 200 shots taken. Wow.
2: Joel Embiid. Beads.
0: no. Correct.
1: man i'd like to cheat on this one and look it up but I, I it's so complicated i don't know how to search for it <laughs> 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 man minimum how many attempts you 200 this is a guy this is a starter on a playoff
0: team i'll give you that uh, hint right to start
1: all right is he in the east or west that's my last clue i'm asking he's
0: in the eastern conference
2: eastern conference uh john wall
0: correct team wrong player
2: oh uh, auto porter Bill. Otto porter Otto
0: porter Otto Porter has a true shooting percentage of sixty four point five percent. Otto Porter leads the league in three point percentage. Right,
1: right. Yeah.
0: but also is shooting seventy percent in the restricted area. Not that not not a ton of attempts there. One hundred and eighteen attempts in the restricted area, but still a really good finisher at the rim, shooting pretty well from mid range and leading the league in three point percentage. So this guy is the real deal.
1: Aka Ballin'. I if, like it. I don't listen. Somebody's gonna get, yeah. I like it though. I like that Otto Porter has kind of risen from the ashes. A lot of people writing him off after his first couple of years in the league.
0: My favorite Otto Porter moment is still the uh, the,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> the, the blanking out on that one defensive when he, possession when he went yeah.
1: shacked in for for a possession. Yeah,
0: and my favorite part about that is the hear, the hearing somebody scream from the bench or something. Otto, you know, like so. Whenever I see, whenever I watch Otto Porter do anything, I I think of that. As,
1: I think it's the same thing when I uh, think about my re- m- my getting uh, t-bowed by <laughs> Jada Kiss Jada kiss it during All Star Weekend
2: in Orlando. That's... Except instead of uh, Otto, I said, "Oh no!" Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Wizards are really good. Their starting lineup is really really good, and uh, Otto Porter is a, a big part of that. It's pretty um, big time, man. pretty incredible to see see these guys come along so quickly after a pretty sluggish first twenty games.
1: Yeah, they've, they've been the most impressive turnaround outfit I can remember in recent years in terms of a team starting as ugly as they did and rebounding like this. I'm just curious. Like you said, they're starting five so good. I'm wondering if they got enough bench power to you know, to get through a, to the second round of the playoffs and maybe beyond. Who knows?
0: Well, the good thing is that in the playoffs, depth isn't as important, right? Like guys are going to play more minutes. You're not playing any back-to-back. So depth isn't as isn't important in, in the playoffs, but – yeah, I mean it's a question. I mean their bench stinks. I'd be curious to see if they can find an upgrade somewhere on the cheap,
3: you yeah. know,
0: uh, as the deadline approaches, or like a waiver wire guy or something like that, right? Uh, to help them off the bench, maybe then get Paul Pierce back. But uh, <laughs> does Paul maybe, maybe Paul Pierce wants to retire a wizard?
1: Yeah. I'm sure that's in his. I'm sure that's in his plans. Well, listen, shoe. We appreciate it. Make sure you give us uh, something harder next week, man. We're getting too good at this. We're, you gotta Wait, stump what, us. What are
0: you talking about? Oh, that's right. You because you guessed John Wall, and I told you the correct <laughs> team, and yeah, that's right.
1: Hey, why so, do you gotta go bother with all the details and, and actual facts?
0: I'll, I'll give that a, a a grade of a C. Let for, us uh, let us week.
1: live in the bubble, shoe. <laughs> would you? All right, fellas. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. John Schumann with the Schumann stat, Lang. Um, seriously, I don't care what you says. We're getting really good at this. All you got to do is give us 12 clues. Yeah. And we, we, and we nail it.
2: snare narrow it down
1: a little bit. Yeah. give us, You give us enough clues, I promise you we'll get the right answer. Speaking of right answers, somebody is back on bragging
2: rights. Back in second place.
1: It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. Well, look, i I don't care about what happened in the past. I only care about what we've done lately. And, uh, John, I believe somebody went unblemished this week on Bragg and Rights.
4: I believe so. Seiku, you went 3-0. and
1: The last champ week, is here.
4: Lang did a gentleman's 2-1. <laughs> Maintain a one-game lead over Seiku on the season.
1: I want to recount.
4: A key game last week was the Grizzlies beating the Jazz. Yes. Seiku, uh,
1: Go Ryan Grizzlies, Siko, baby. Man. Grit and grind, son.
4: This week, we're going to go with some uh, some marquee games, starting with Sunday, ABC. sure Lang's going to be watching this before <laughs> the Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: he won't have anything else going on Sunday. Oh,
4: so, at 2 o'clock on ABC, Clippers at Celtics.
1: Mm. I'm going with Boston. Yeah, me too. I don't care what the score is going into the third quarter. Boston wins the fourth quarter thanks to Isaiah Thomas and wins the game.
2: Who scores more points on Sunday, Isaiah Thomas or the Patriots?
4: Put this prop bet on the thing.
1: That's, that's what I was going to say. That's another good one to add to the list.
4: You got to pick one. What you got?
2: i say Isaiah I'll Thomas. Say, yeah,
1: Isaiah, I'm going with Isaiah Thomas. He's, he's liable to get 40. I don't think the Patriots are going to get 40.
2: If they don't get 40, they might not
1: win. <laughs> For the sake of you and the rest of the Falcon nation, I hope the, the Atlanta Falcons win the Super Bowl because I don't want to hear the belly aching if you don't win.
4: Next game is Monday on TNT Cavs at Wizards.
1: Oh man, hmm. is this going to be a funeral? Another funeral game? Wizards wearing all black?
4: Could
1: be. Or is, LeBron, be. Or is Lebron cloaking the Cavaliers in all black? <laughs> I'm going to take Cleveland. I'm going to go with the Wizards. I'm I'm, I'm going to ride the, ride the hot hands. And they're at home. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going with the Wizards at home. They they've been uh, they've been untouchable at home here recently.
4: And then the second half of that doubleheader on TNT Monday night: Spurs at Grizzlies.
1: Ew. What's the Spurs road record now? At one point they were killing it on the road, right?
4: They are 25 yeah. on
2: the road. Wow. I picked against the
4: 16 and 9 at home. I
2: That's picked tough. against the Grizzlies last week and uh I was wrong. So uh that is true. I think I'll I think I'll pick against them again this time and take the Spurs. I'm going to go ahead and take the Grizzlies. I'm
1: I I don't want to I don't want to disrespect the Grizzlies after they've been so good to me here recently. I'm going to Keep riding with the grit and grind. Got it. Well, that does it for bragging rights this week. And S- Lang, your, your in- lack of energy and excitement over bragging rights this week is obvious. Um, when I win, you have nothing to say. When you win, it's just a whole lot of bragging and, and smack talking. So I appreciate your even-handedness and uh, non-praise of my work in bragging rights this week.
2: There's a lot of chance this week of a uh, significant movement in the standings.
1: <laughs> we shall see. We appreciate you joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Be sure to leave a glowing review. And there's a new episode every Thursday during this season. Shouts out to our main man, Michael Lee, from The Vertical, and to our good friend, John Schumann, for The Schumann Stat. We will see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later.
4: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember say Kuna Matata!